a lot of us don't have a mentor that can teach us leadership, that can teach us people management. And so we come to it with kind of a slightly warped perspective on what it means to lead a team and grow a team. The perspective that I see most often is I'm a boss, right? right. I set the direction and I know the steps and I tell us where to go and you follow my process because I am the boss and I am the expert and I am the moneymaker, right? Um, yes and no, right? We're going to follow the uh, the improv, right? Yes and. Okay. You are the money. You are the person with the vision who has created the company and created the team. And also, there's no possible way that you could master everything. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Slow Smoke Business Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Morgan. I'm uh, joined here by Angie Coley, who is an angel she is an ass kicker. Her website is permission to kick ass.com. Uh, she's a coach. She's all sorts of things. Welcome, Angie. Hi. Thanks for having me. It's so nice to have you here. And Angie was very patient. When you have a backyard barbecue podcast, lots of things go wrong. It could be grill things, it could be food things, it could be audio things. And it was all of those things today. <laughs> the jackhammer, the ambiance. The, ja <laughs> the jackhammer, which may start again in the background. It was a lot of things, but we appreciate you being here. Uh, today we're making one of my favorite things to do on the grill, uh, which is wings, right? So I'm going to hold these up to the side cam. The part of the issue that we had today was overhead cam was misbehaving. So we've got some lemon pepper wings. And these are good wings. These aren't like the little little weenie wings, right? These are big daddy wings, big hosses. Oh, I'm going to get hungry so watching this. Throw those on the, yeah, you hear that on the grill? So while we're throwing these on here... You coach a lot of people and try to help them take their business to the next level. And so a question I like to ask somebody like you, uh, who has a lens into a lot of different people's journey, is what is the most common thing that you see holding people back who are trying to start a project or take a business or a project to the next level? Mm, that's a great question. And so I, I like to look at business as kind of a three-legged table. It's made up partly of processes. It's partly profit, right? The, keep the, the thing that keeps us in business. And then people. And I think a lot of the folks that are struggling are overly focused on either the process or the, process or the profits or a little bit of both of those. And they've completely ignored the people part of their business. And so you get things like quiet quitting. You get people who really just don't care and aren't motivated and don't participate very well in the business. And they're throwing a fit, rightfully so, right? Right. You don't really respect me. And I'm the person that's doing all of the hard work to make it possible for you to have all of these profits. What? I think the average person definitely does downplay the importance of the personal aspect of building a team and having the right team. And for, from whenever I'm helping somebody and they've come to me for advice, it's one of the things that particularly if somebody is moving from, you know, either individual contributor or it's been their project solely and they're kind of doing anything, trying to explain to them, yes, I know that the thing that you spend 40% of your time doing, you feel that you are the best person that could possibly do that. I couldn't possibly hand this off to somebody else. Mm -hmm. When you try to get them to understand the magic that can happen, when you take someone who you think is talented and you can trust and you allow them to figure it out like, okay, they're going to make a couple of mistakes. Just try to create some systems around them where you can catch them, but allow them to grow. And then what happens when they blossom into being able to do that? That's really where the magic can start mm -hmm. and you can actually start to 
scale your business. Oh, yes. And that I think is is a problem on a couple of different levels, right? A lot of us don't have a mentor that can teach us leadership, that can teach us people management. And so we come to it with kind of a slightly warped perspective on what it means to lead a team and grow a team. The perspective that I see most often is I'm a boss, right? right. I set the direction and I know the steps and I tell us where to go and you follow my process because I am the boss and I am the expert and I am the moneymaker, right? Um, yes and no, right? We're going to follow the... Uh, the improv, right? Yes, and okay. you are the money. You are the person with the vision who has created the company and created the team. And also, there's no possible way that you could master everything. Like we were just talking beforehand with all the tech glitches that we had about how I am tech phobic and I stick to Zoom. Mm. You've got this great setup and the team that are helping. And supposedly great until it takes a half hour to get launched. But yeah, <laughs> this happens all the time. And I like it when it's more real like that anyway, because my whole platform is about you can be the unpolished person who messes up all the time sure. and still find success. I love that. I forgot where I was going with that, but that was, I'm sure it was an amazing point. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, I think at some point in your career, you worked with uh, the rich dad organization, mm -hmm. right? Is that okay. So if you've ne if, if you're out there and you're earlier in your career, you've never read rich dad, poor dad, phenomenal book and pivotal to get the average person to think about, entrepreneurship in what I think is sort of like the proper framing. And it's valid in what we're saying here about running a team in that he, I'm paraphrasing what he says in the book and he says it a lot better than I can, but are you trying to build yourself a business or are you trying to give yourself a job? Yes. Um, because if you are trying to, be, so a great example of that is, um, a dentist or a, a, an optometrist or someone who operates, you know, a pediatrician that has their own, you know, building and they, and they kind of operate independently. That person, um, if they are both seeing patients and having to manage employees and the people up front and make sure that the business is processing payment, that person has, they own, they don't own a business. They own a job, mm -hmm. right? Because if they didn't show up to work on Tuesday, the whole show kind of stops, right? And so unless they start hiring other dentists or other doctors and things like that. Yeah. And so it's a bit of a trap if you're an entrepreneur and you're building yourself. It, yeah, that's a real obvious example. But if you haven't created systems that allow your business to run if you get the flu, mm -hmm. then um, you've really given yourself a job rather than build yourself a business. Yeah. And how much pressure is it to... to Expect yourself to figure out all of the things, to know all of the details. Like we were talking about the simple setup versus the complicated setup. And I remembered where I wanted to go with that. If I had come into this saying, I know the way this is the system I was taught, it's going to work. I would have actually slowed down process in a stupidly simple way. Uh, we had created our process and by process, I mean, written down step by step, I can hand this to somebody and they could follow the steps reasonably well without my input, right? And we've written down the process for creating my podcast and the part that we kept getting stuck, stupidly simple, me uploading the files from my computer after they're recorded mm. to the Dropbox where the editor is going to take over. And that stopped me dead in my tracks every week because I was just resisting. I didn't want to set up folders. I didn't want to sit there and wait for it to upload. Like. <laughs> 
right? We're in business with people and people have weird mental blocks around all kinds of stuff, whether you're a leader or whether you are just starting out. Yeah. And so because I trusted my team, I went to my assistant and I was like, okay, so I know I'm the bottleneck here. Is there anything else that we can do? I don't want to record to the cloud because that's going to mess with the audio, but I don't see a solution. And she goes, well, let me look into this. And she comes back with the suggestion to add the uh, Google Drive app to my computer. Okay. And so now I record the file locally, quote unquote, but to the Google Drive app on my computer, which automatically uploads to the cloud, therefore removing me from that. But if I was in charge of finding that solution, I tell you, it never would have been found. And I would, would be spending, never. <laughs> I would have been spending hours every week uploading audio when that is not my forte. That's not my strength. And I have no business doing that. Right. Yeah. But sort of kudos to you for asking for someone to come in. And I think that's a, that's a sign of true leadership, right? If you have a, a person, you know, if you have a person at the top of an organization and they have to come up with all the answers, then that organization can only be as smart and talented as that one person. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you create, let's say you have an organization of one person and nine people that are working with that person. If you create an organization where the best ideas can bubble to the top and everyone feels safe and validated enough where they can bring their thoughts, you know, to the table, then your organization is is as talented as sort of the sum of the talents of the 10 people rather yeah. than the single person. And it's hard for people. There's a jackhammer, by the way. <laughs> so it's hard for um, – that's a great metaphor for building a business, too, to have a jackhammer in the back. Mm -hmm. It's hard for people a lot of times, especially if it's their first role in leadership, they oftentimes think, I have to be the one that has all the right answers or people are not going to respect – you know, my position in the company or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's just certainly in today's world, it's just not true. Like I think people respect leaders that sit at the top of successful organizations, whether or not uh, they are the ones that are pulling all the strings. I mean, if you think that Steve Jobs wired every wire in the iPhone, designed every button, that you just, he definitely did not, right? Mm -hmm. And yet he gets all of the credit um, and not that you should be in this business, in the business for trying to get all the credit, but it, that's, that's a thing to think like, you don't have to worry about what people think of you. You just need to, you want to be on the winning team. Yeah. And if you're on the winning team, most of that stuff takes care of itself. It kind of goes back to that old principle of not being the smartest person in the room. If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room, you're right? You're in the wrong room. Exactly. We don't want to be in a room where Angie is the smartest tech person there. That is not a reality any of us <laughs> want to live in. Trust me. Um, and the results can be so much more exponential, right? Talk about a value add when you just let people shine. And that really turned around for me when I made that shift from thinking I had to be the boss and putting all of this enormous pressure on myself to figure out everything, even things I didn't know how to figure out, like tech problems, to recognizing a good idea when I see it, or the seeds of a good idea that maybe needs a little bit of redirecting before it's ready for prime time. And then just giving my staff permission to run with it, right? And yeah. see what they can see and learn what they can learn, because I don't know how this is going to turn out. I don't even know how my strategies are going to work out. We're all just hoping for the best, right? Um, but I give them that permission to run with it. And it nine times out of town turns out amazing. You said something there that I think people gloss over sometimes. Like we're all just trying to figure things out. Mm -hmm. When you come to that realization, when you realize that even the smartest people that you know, the ones that you look up to, the ones that you think have got it all figured out, 
that even those guys are still just kind of feeling their way through life. If they're 45 years old, they've never been 45 years old before, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. just they're, everybody's kind of feeling their way through things. And, and I, I say this all the time, the most successful people are the most inquisitive, the ones that are um, don't really have confidence that they have all the answers, but have confidence that they will feel around in the dark and probably stumble across a pretty acceptable answer somewhere. Yes. Maybe not the right answer. And sometimes, you know, we have the we have the false uh, sense that all answers are binary, either they're right or wrong. And that's not always the case. Sometimes, you know, there's a spectrum of rightness, right? Yes. Sometimes I come up with a marketing push and we move X amount of uh, units and then I come up with another and I move Y amount of units. Now, maybe I was more right with Y, right? And so I, you have to kind of give yourself the grace to say, I don't know all the answers, but I know that I'm smart enough to know when I'm dumb on something. Yeah. I'm going to ask people that are that that probably do know the answer. I love that you said that, giving yourself the grace, because I talk about that a lot too. And giving the people on your team the grace and giving the clients yeah. that you work with, the customers that you work with the grace, because we're all humans. That's the downside of business. Um, I, I work with a lot of early stage freelancers who do creative services. Ah. So talk like graphic design, copywriting, things of that nature. And if the client gets upset or doesn't like a design or doesn't like a draft, it's real easy for these folks to take it personally. Um, mm, yes. and they, they think that if they come up with the perfect project proposal and they've dotted all their I's and crossed all their T's with whatever they're presenting to the client, that there's no way they can say no eh, wrong. They can say no because they're humans and humans going to human, right? They're going to have a bad day. They're going to hear a presentation on the way, like on a podcast and completely change strategy. It happens all the time because we're in business with humans. So there's not right. always logic, which means that if we approach this from connection and empathy first, we're going to get a lot more leeway. So if somebody comes back to me and says, I didn't, I really, I don't know what happened, Angie, but this was a swing and a miss and I'm really unhappy. I go, okay, okay. All right. Tell me more. What about this isn't working? Like what's what's happening? What's the thought process? Let's get to the bottom of this, because I'm sure we can find a fix if we put our heads together. And that's the key to any problem solving, in my opinion. It's you and me versus the problem. Never me versus you. Yeah, for sure. And we're all trying to find the right answers. Everybody's. Yeah, I, I think. You know, I had, a, I had a great mentor that used to say, you know, ne- never walk into a conflict assuming bad intent. Right. Try, yes. Trying to assume that someone's and they're trying to get over on me or they're trying and and you work with people like that and you think you know hey we're both you and I are both southerners like it's kind of like a flipping new yorker attitude right it's like <laughs> hey, fucking, hey man you know he's trying to mm-hmm. he's trying to get this freaking guy here you know i don't know what it's, <laughs> i don't know but you see, you see what i'm saying like it's it's this um attitude that everybody is at war with everybody mm-hmm. and man that's just not the case i mean i i've my in my experience the world makes a lot more sense when you when you view it through the lens that everyone is the hero of their own story and mm-hmm. everyone is just waking up in the morning and trying to do the best they can. And they're trying to. Yeah, maybe they are trying to get over on somebody or whatever, but they're doing it. They don't think they're evil. They don't think they're screwing you. They don't think. Yeah. No, they just are trying to get by. And you can understand somebody and really work with somebody when you really know what they want. And so if mm-hmm. you find out if somebody's motivated by money or if they're motivated by clout and status or they're motivated by adventure or whatever, you can really start to go, okay, so we're trying to 
accomplish this thing together. And I know that so-and-so here is, uh, he's only motivated by the money. So that that's great. I put it through that lens and I understand like this guy has to feel like he's getting the right amount of money um, mm-hmm. or he's not going to be happy no matter what else happens. Right. And you may have other people that the money, there's a range that you can hit that they'd be happy with, but they're going to be really bummed out if they get left out of the credit right? Of, of yep. what we're doing here. So you have to kind of wade through those things. It's those interpersonal skills that I imagine are hard when you're coaching somebody. If you're, you said you're coaching a lot of creatives and a lot of freelancers, mm-hmm. I would imagine a, you know, a freelancer is by nature has someone who's worn, learned to thrive in working alone. And so yes. is that like a common thing that you have to do with people is to teach them those, those little interpersonal things about, yeah, listen, you got to depend on somebody else every so often. Oh yeah. And I teach them to build in strategic touch points into their process so that they don't fall into what I call the, the retreat into the cave mentality. (laughs) Right. Because we do have to, creatives have to create it out of our brains and that may require a lot of off the clock work, so to speak. So I'm thinking about this project when I'm in the shower, when I'm driving to the gym, it's not necessarily all butt in seat performance. Right. And I've got to give people the space to do that. And also they've got to understand that other people don't work that way. Other people don't understand that this is a sign that I'm thinking. <laughs> I look like I've completely checked out, but I'm staring. And for the people in Starbucks that I accidentally make very creepy eye contact with, I promise I'm not actually, lo- I'm looking through you. What's wrong with her latte, man? She's, <laughs> like, she's weird. Weird eye contact. Uh, she didn't think it was time for pumpkin spice and it is, right? It's, it's time. No, I'm, the I'm year a- is I'm a Halloween girl. I don't care how hot it is outside. The moment that Spirit Halloween pops up, I'm in Halloween mode. The That's white it. girl awakening has taken yes. a while. You know, we've got the pumpkin spice <laughs> phenomenon. All right. So let's take it. Let's speaking. Of, we were talking about grace earlier. I'm ready to say some grace over these wings. Yeah. See if I can swing. We're having camera issues this episode. I'm going to see if I can swing. How's that looking? Yeah. So we're doing lemon pepper wings. And what I'm trying to do this time is I'm allowing, uh, I'm allowing, I, I season them before I put them on. And then I'm going to shake some seasoning on right at the end, which is what I'm famous for with my wife, which is over seasoning things. And she will not <laughs> eat these wings and they'll all be for me. That's a strategy right there. They'll all be for you. It is a strategy. <laughs> so when people are working with you, I can imagine one of the challenging things that I always have to go through, and it's got to be challenging for you too, is Getting somebody to improve their situation is is very difficult to do if they can't articulate what success looks like. Mm-hmm. If you ask people, "Hey, man, you know what? What are we trying to accomplish here?" and they just go like, "Well, I just I want to sell more. Man, I need to make some money. Man, I'm ready for this business to work out." Mm-hmm. But really, getting people to lean into that and go, "What does that look like, man? Like, what is if if yes. your if your business is thriving? Like, what do your customers say about you? What do your numbers look like? What are your like?" trying to get them to envision because it just becomes so much more actionable when you approach it that way. Mm-hmm. Do you find that a lot of people struggle with articulating success or kind of knowing where they're trying to sail to? Oh yeah. Because then that automatically activates the head trash <laughs> and all of the the narratives that we haven't dealt with throughout our life. And I've, I've run headfirst into folks who are dealing with that particular struggle. Like you said, oh, I need to make more money. I go, okay, cool. How much is more money? Right. Well, you know, like more money. Here's what I'm making now and I need to make more. And I go, okay, so a dollar is more. <laughs> I have a feeling you're not talking about a dollar. So what are you talking about? And that actually happened with a recent uh, coaching student of mine that I'm working with right now 
where we were talking about some of the struggles that he's having and some of the accomplishments he's made. And I just said, hey, I want to stop for a second and point out, you've accomplished some incredible things. Do you know something I'm seeing that maybe maybe you haven't noticed yet? He goes, what is that? It's like the things that you've accomplished, you literally said out loud. I will do this. I will have this much in the bank for my emergency savings. I will reach out to this many people. I will work with this kind of industry. All of those things you've accomplished because you were super specific. But every time it was, I need to make more money. I need to get clients. Yeah. Everything fell apart and became overwhelming because that's just, it's not clear enough. I like sports analogies a lot, right? And if you look at some mm -hmm. of the best, um, most successful coaches and athletes, you find that uh, man, they want to win more football games and, or, or they want to win the world series or they want to do whatever it is, but they don't, it's not like they spend their off seasons and that's waking up. I want to win a world series. No, they, they wake up and they say, man, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot this many baskets today. Like if you go break down Kobe Bryant and why he was so great, like he, he, he did 10 X the preparatory work that everybody else did. Right. And, mm -hmm. and if you make the goals that you have, um, the things that will make you successful instead of the success itself. So instead of saying, I'm going to lose 10 pounds, you say, I'm going to get up and, and go to the gym five days a week. Yeah. Right. Well, you, okay. So that's far more in your control than the 10 pounds. Mm -hmm. And, or it's, if I'm going to, I'm going to wake up every day and I'm going to spend three hours prospecting new clients. Right. That's in your control. Yes. And you want to make more money and you want to close more deals, but you, blah, 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 pipeline, yada, yada, yada. So spending time doing that and focusing on that is, is far more in your control than, you know, looking at the end of the month and go, oh, I didn't make, I only made X amount more money than that. You know what I mean? It's, mm -hmm. you have to focus on the things you, that you can control. It's all of that. Uh, grunt level is probably not the word that I'm looking for, but it's what comes to mind. It's all of that daily dull work that we don't look forward to that stacks up to the long-term success. I mean, people have said it before, but the overnight success is 10 years in the making. Oh yeah. They've been doing the slow, unsexy work for all this time until it turns out into something amazing, much like slow smoked barbecue. <laughs> very, very much. Well, it's one of the reasons why we called the show slow smoke business is not just my weird obsession with <laughs> barbecue in the backyard, but like, um, what, the, how great of an analogy it is on doing something great, right? It takes time to build. It takes time to create something. And you start with something that's raw and not appealing and you wait and you're patient. And then before mm -hmm. you know it, you have something amazing. And exactly like you said, you focus on what you can control, not what is outside of your control. I feel like that is the most uh, frustrating experience for everybody that I've ever worked with is that they are usually focused on something that they can't control. And they're trying to force control, right? Yeah. I can't, my background is in marketing. I can't guarantee any particular sales campaign is going to work, let alone be a breakaway success. There are just too many factors. And when people used to ask me to guarantee things, <laughs> thankfully, we've got so many great examples lately. And I go, well, I would love to be able to guarantee things, but pandemic, I would love to be able to guarantee things, but Texas froze over for a month, Yeah, right? There are things that are so far beyond, beyond our control that nothing is guaranteed in life. So all you can do is focus on what you can control. And if you think that you can control something like I'm going to continue to make sales while Texas is frozen over, well, you are kind of the architect of your own misery right there. Asking for guaranteed results. I think is a sign of a, um, 
either an unreasonable or a horribly unexperienced professional. Mm-hmm. I mean, so if you're asking there and you and you and maybe you had a mentor that taught you to be super unreasonable with your contractors, man, it doesn't. I, I, I would tell you, it really doesn't give you better results. Competition does. Driving a hard bargain does. But being unreasonable, saying I need you to guarantee mm-hmm. that get you're going to guarantee. I, so the business that I started, Proctor, you I dealt with this in the early years where people say, I need you to guarantee that a hundred percent of the people that want to take a test with you are going to be able to to take that test. Mm -hmm. And I would say, look, I I understand the desire for that outcome. And I share that, I share that goal. However, I can't guarantee you that a hundred percent of your students are going to show up with their internet working correctly on the right mm-hmm. computer. They're not stealing their neighbor's Wi-Fi connection. They're not, I can't guarantee that there's not a power outage at your, at your campus and a bunch of your students or they were logged on or not. I can't guarantee any of that. And so, mm-hmm. and you still have people that go, well, you know, my boss says that I got to have a guarantee and like, it's just not a, it's a sign. It's it, I get, I'm actually getting like worked up a little bit. It's such yeah. a sign of low intelligence. Right. And And it's, it, you you do those kinds of things and you're feigning stupidity because we have there's a certain section of like the professional landscape where it's like, well, I'm just going to make unreasonable demands and that makes me powerful and I'm going to drive. Mm-hmm. It doesn't it doesn't make you a good leader to say things that are just dumb and you know them yeah. to be dumb and you would never agree to them as your own business. We'll hold other people to unreasonable standards and we'll hold ourselves to unreasonable standards. Like I got to make $50,000 this month. That's not an unreasonable standard, but if you haven't done the work, like you said to quant, okay, how many people do I have to talk to? How many offers do I have to make to increase the likelihood that I'm going to hit that goal? I love that you use that word. We have the same goal. Can I guarantee that everything will line up a hundred percent so that those dominoes all fall down? in the picture at the ends, that big fancy domino chain, I'm going to do my best. And that's all any pro can do. And anybody, frankly, that sells you a guarantee on a lot of stuff, they're just, they're full of it. (laughs) Okay. Fun question. I'm sure you get into situations where someone approaches you in the beginning stages, early stages, or pre-launch of of some kind of a project. Mm -hmm. And they're explaining this to you and you're like, this is a bad idea, <laughs> right? This is what they're about to do is not going to work. It's so not going to work. And it's so clear to really everybody. Mm-hmm. How do you uh, explain to someone who, and oftentimes they're, they're right they're It's the first thing they've ever attempted. And so they're like, Hey man, yep. this is what I want to do. And you know, it's, you know, there's some significant rocks in the way. How do you navigate through a situation like that? Oh, I'm so glad that you asked that, right? Because the the big tempting thing would be like, eh, I wouldn't do it that way. And here are all the reasons why. What that usually does, unless you are dealing with somebody who is supremely like emotionally intelligent and not attached to the idea, but remember, we're dealing business with humans, <laughs> right? Is that they're going to back down and go, no, I love this idea. Something in my gut is telling me to do this. Now I don't like you for pointing out the flaws in my idea. Mm. So what I usually like to do in instances like that is go, Okay, that's, I like that idea. Walk me through, help me understand where's this coming from? What's the inspiration behind this? Let's dig into this a little bit more. And I will, I call it um, idea inception. 
to whatever extent possible as a consultant, I like to make it their idea. They're much more in love with their ideas than mine. Ah. So I will ask questions that are designed to get them thinking about the holes that I see. I go, okay, cool. And have you thought about this? Like, okay, cool. And I'll just lead them down that path until I go, okay, cool. So, I mean, I am never going to be the person that tells you you can or can't do something. I believe in following your gut because that is how you are going to learn how to trust your own intuition as a person and as a business owner. Yeah. Here are the challenges that I see. I think if we can address those things, then this might, it might work, right? There are never any guarantees on anything, but you got to do what you feel is good. So having said all of that, what, what are you thinking? Where, where's your head at? And a lot of times they will go, okay, I haven't thought this through. That was, yeah. I need to rework this a little bit. Sometimes they'll go ahead and do it. And that I had to really learn to make peace with myself as a consultant because I'm not <laughs> responsible for their experience. I'm not responsible for their actions. Right. I can only control me. And one of my mentors put it as the joy of letting somebody have their own experience, right? I like to put it even simpler. That baby don't know what you mean by the stove is hot until they get burnt. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Mm -hmm. Like at some at some point, people just need the experience of yep. man. I swung and missed at this, and I should have seen A, B, and C. And see, I think you're I think you're so much softer than I am when I get approached with situations <laughs> like that because I can be I, feisty. I, yeah, I mean, I, I can see that when someone approaches me with a situation like that, um, I oftentimes try to approach it with things that are trying to get them to look at the unemotional sort of inarguable thing. So I'll ask a question like, okay, man, you're, you're working on this project. I'm thinking of a big, stupid man. It could be a woman, but big. You know, <laughs> yes. Like, We're all capable of enormous stupidity. Yeah. But Hey man, so how much money are you trying to make here? Let's just, let's just fast forward to a point in the future. This has worked out. You're making how much? And they'll say, man, I can see, let's do, let's, let's do like, five million dollars a year and you go great yeah. okay five mil how much is your how much are you going to charge for this thing and they go man i'm going to charge you know one hundred dollars per thing and then you just start <laughs> doing the you just start doing the math for them and you go okay man so to do five million dollars at a hundred bucks at a time you got to reach a whole boatload of people mm -hmm. and how are you going to reach all those people and then they go word of mouth right <laughs> you go all right wait okay okay like Woo! word of mouth is not a strategy to get to five million it just is a hundred bucks at a time yeah and so you start to make them realize how much of a slow slog that's going to be and i try i don't know i try to i try to use things like that um and i try to use i try to use my own examples of, of when i've been naive mm -hmm. and stupid early in my career so same you know, two, two great examples I always give one that I did and one I didn't do. One I did was, you know, early in my career, uh, Matt J and I, who's been on the show multiple times, my, my co-founder at Proctor U, Matt and I built a real estate website. It was essentially Zillow, right? It was called Realtor mm -hmm. Clicks. Shout out to the National Association of Realtors who shut us down with a cease and desist letter. Shout out to them. I'll never forget. You never get the 6% from me again. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go around forever. But we, so we did not, we failed to recognize that we did not have the the contacts, the the interconnectivity into that industry or the knowledge or whatever to pull that off. It was objectively a good idea because Zillow mm -hmm. was a great idea, right? And Zillow is awesome, but I, we were not prepared um, 
and not positioned to execute on it. And that's such mm-hmm. a critical piece of evaluating any idea. Conversely, the other example I give is that back in the 70s, the Pet Rock, a guy who made <laughs> two-ish million dollars, I think it was, I forget the guy's name, um, selling rocks with faces on them. And that's an mm-hmm. objectively stupid idea. Yep. But the, the difference between those two ideas, despite the fact that one was a great idea and one was a terrible idea, was all execution and ability to execute. Mm-hmm. And so the guy who did this a marketing genius and made, made some money before everybody caught up and realized it was stupid, but he made money doing that. Meanwhile, we had a great idea. We're t- totally not positioned to execute on it and got steamrolled by the NAR, the National Association of Realtors, right? And so mm-hmm. um, I think there is... Uh, you have to, when you're evaluating a project or a business that you're trying to start, you people get so focused on the idea. And I, I people, when I talk about Proctor U to a person that is not familiar with, and they go, they go, oh man, well, that's, what a great idea. Mm-hmm. And you, anybody that's ever done anything says something a little different. They go, oh man, well, it must have been a challenge or what, right? Because they understand that it, the idea, ideas are a dime a dozen, right? What matters is the execution. Mm-hmm. Let's get a grill check and see how we're, uh, oh baby, oh baby, oh baby. Let's get, here, I'm going to get a close-up of one of these, Yeah. one of these wangs here. What do you think? Mm. Okay. So, so we've jealous. baked in a little <laughs> bit of lemon pepper goodness. And at the last moment here, we're going to shake on, I'm going to give them a shout out. True lemon, they make a, they make a drink like, thing you can shake in the water like crystallized lemon but they made a lemon pepper thing hashtag not a sponsor okay yet (laughs) hashtag yet but somebody reach out to the true lemon people and tell tell them that they got somebody who's winging out with Mm -hmm. their lemon pepper you'd be on this let's get on it okay it's better than viral content so oh yeah uh also hey crystallized lemon I don't know if that's a great idea, but those guys have brilliantly executed it. It's in every grocery store you can find and makes a lot of sense. Just yet another example of idea versus execution. Well, you know, you said something interesting earlier, um, and I don't think that our approaches are actually different. You were quicker to think on the fly than I was, (laughs) but I will usually show them that that math as well. Um, And it was funny, the instance that you brought up, like your idea versus the pet rock idea. And I see business as kind of two, uh, maybe two sides of the same coin, right? One is almost like a little bit of willful delusion, like just a little bit of Delulu. We're going to sell a rock. (laughs) We're going to see what happens, right? And then sometimes you got to buckle down and you really got to focus on the strategy and the pieces that you can control and that vision. Um, And I think if you were like, almost delusionally optimistic and you are focused on a strategy that you can actually make work. That's like the magic. Yeah. This is the, this is the thing. If you're giving someone, if you can give them one piece of advice and they're starting out Mm. and they are working on an idea or they think, and and these are not people that have gotten in touch with you yet. And you need to give them the one thing that allows them to focus on the things that matter and not on what doesn't. What is? How would you sum up that impossibly difficult thing I just laid out for you? But what is what is your one piece of advice for someone who's trying to start a business? Mm, that's a good one. 
take action before you feel ready oh. is I think that that sums up a lot of what I wish I could go back in time and slap into my younger self. I felt like I had to study and I had to consult with people and I had to learn a lot of the work that I do as a coach is helping people undo this notion that they have to depend on outside answers. Oh man. It's usually clearing away all of the noise and helping them realize that they had their own answers. I think that question that you gave is a perfect example of that. They have the answers, but there's so much noise that they're not seeing this really clearly. So I see my job as reflecting the truth back at you. You've already got the answers. You don't need a gimmick from me. I don't need to teach you a new shiny thing for you to lose focus on, right? Follow your instinct, follow your heart. I love that so much. Like I, it just, you know, we, we talk, we have a saying that we've said on the show many, many times, we talk about progress over perfection and that yes. you just hit it on the head. Like I, um, I have seen so many businesses get ahead so much faster by allowing themselves to just have a sloppy slog through figuring mm -hmm. some things out and putting out something that's good enough and then being super plugged into your customer and, and, and asking them what they like about it, what they don't, and then, and then iterating on it, boom, make it a little better, make it a little better, make yes. it a little better, make it a little better. You do that. And over time, you're so much further ahead than, mm -hmm. You know, then the person that sits back and tries to take one swing of the bat and get it over the fence. Yep. Over time, that's the key. One step at a time. I mean, and if you're so afraid of failure that you never take action, well, I don't think you're actually going to achieve anything. Yeah. But if you're willing to fail, you're sharing space with people like Steve Jobs, who got fired from Apple. Sure. And then came back to lead it. Like, Oprah Winfrey got fired and then became her own anchor. Yeah. Failure is a great place to be. It's leading you to where you need to go. There was a book that I read uh, at a very pivotal time in my life. I got, so in my twenties, before I kind of went into entrepreneurship, I was working in the construction industry of all places and I got fired and I got fired and mm. I deserved to get fired. Like I was, wasn't good at what I was doing, made some mistakes, got let go. And I was devastated because at the time I thought, you know, successful people don't get fired. That's not, yep. that's not, and that could not be further from the truth. And there was a book that I picked up literally called We Got Fired. And it was a breakdown of some of the world's most successful people, coaches, politicians, business people, and breaking down their failures and showing that their failures were not final because they didn't allow it to be. They sort of learned from that situation. People forget that Bill Belichick, um, who's one of the greatest coaches in the history of the NFL. I'm sorry, I promise I don't make only sports analogies, by the way. But <laughs> so you're like, you're like, you don't like sports. You're like, to turning it off. Um, but Belichick got fired at the as the Cleveland Browns head coach. And imagine, you, see, you know, I'm sure people in Cleveland, football fans remember that. They had one of the greatest coaches of all time, but the circumstance was bad. He wasn't prepared. It was just a bad situation. He got fired. He gets eventually hired at New England and goes on to be one of the greatest Super Bowl winning coaches of all time. And it just goes to show you that, you know, failure is not something to be afraid of. If you're the guy stepping out in the arena, if you're the guy trying something, you're going to fail. Mm -hmm. There are things that are going to happen that are not going to go the way you wanted it to. And, and fear of that happening is going to take you away from the necessary process of climbing that mountain and sliding down a few times before you can ever get over the crest. Yes. Failure is an event. It is not your identity. Oh, yes. Yes. It's only final if you make it. Yep. 
right? It's only final if you just give up, right? And and mm-hmm. I know we got like super broad and now we're getting really tactical, but here's a thought, right? People that are trying to start a business that have created a thing mm-hmm. and they're obsessed with the thing and then they're running around trying to find a problem that this thing solves oftentimes run into this situation, this perfectionism, this like they can't make progress or they're just not in tune with their customer. The, the thing I always advise people with is if you, if you want to start a business, start with a problem that needs solving, that people yes. will pay to solve. And if, even if they are paying to solve it, you could solve it better or cheaper or faster or more effective. Mm-hmm. I, that is the way to, to, to create a lasting business and not a gimmick. Oh, yeah. And doesn't that nicely come around full circle to exactly how we started with the three pillars? Because I think what you described was perfectly encompassing the people part. Yes. If I focus on the person who has the problem, who's suffering, and I can fix this for them, or I can make life better, or I can reduce the pain in some way, that's the right approach, I think, instead of the process, this little thing, or the profit, and all of the perfectionism. I Maybe I I need to add a fourth level to this, perfectionism. (laughs) <laughs> so hit me with hit me with the pillars one more time. Give it give it because those are really good. I want people to have that as a takeaway. People, processes, and profit are the three legs of the table that any successful business stands on. But I think if you don't focus on the people first, the other two, yeah, that's that's how you lose people. That's how you. It's so true. Yeah, you just fall apart spectacularly. It's not just the people in your business. It's the it's your customers. It's the people you have mm-hmm. solving and you know and how, and how they interact with everybody. That's really that's so good. All right, let's give a let's give a grill check here. One more, yeah, baby. All right, it's time to shake it on. You ready for some shake on lemon pepper love? I need some smell o vision. Yeah, we're gonna if if that gets invented, there's <laughs> never been a show, there's never been a podcast more ready. Yes, more requested for that feature. Um, oh man, look at that! Some golden brown. Got the juices coming out. Let's dust it like it's snowing lemon pepper goodness. So, Angie, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, they wanted to to connect with you. I know you've got a podcast. Why don't you pimp your podcast on here, too? Yeah, my show is called Permission to Kick Ass. Uh, and I created it because I needed that when I was first starting out. I had this idea of what success looked like, and somehow it was never me. And it all came, this, this illusion of success came crashing down when I was at a business event and saw somebody making their shiny presentation about adding a million dollars to your bottom line with one word trick. Right. And I realized that that's the same person at the bar after the event talking about how they just got hit with a lawsuit and lost their biggest client at the same time. And they don't know what they're going to do. Right. Success and struggle are not mutually exclusive. We are all just trying to figure things out. And so that show, I like to call it, it's a a similar premise. I call it a seat at a bar where we talk about what business really looks like behind the scenes and all of the stuff we've been surprised by, all the setbacks and whatnot. So that's available on all major streaming services. You can also visit permissiontokickass.com and sign up for emails. I'll let you know when an episode drops when my upcoming book comes out, also called Permission to Kick Ass. Ooh-hoo. Angie, you are a delight. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, we'd love to do this again. And yes. you're definitely an ass kicker. So thank you for... Uh, Can I... Recurring segment, and I will meet you out there if I get to eat some come of that on. barbecue. So, <laughs> this is not trying to not trying to tease too much, but we are working on... I should, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it. So we are working on um, season three having some live events, right? Having some live Lights. interactions where we go help jackhammer with my neighbors uh, over there. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. Where we're, where we're, you know, breaking bread, 
doing some good things and talking. Uh, and so you would be awesome to have on that. So let's get you on the short list for sure. Love it. Thank you so much. Angie Coley is her name. Permission to kick ass.com. Thank you guys so much. And we'll see you next time. Slow smoke business show. <laughs> <laughs>